welcome to episode 183 of the NFL Scotland podcast. This is it. It's Super Bowl 56, the Bengals versus the Rams. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell and we've gone old school for our Super Bowl show. We're all around the same table. Charles Patterson, Gordon McGuinness, also joining Cameron and I. Gentlemen, good to see you. It's nice to be visually not on a screen, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely. It's an exciting week just to actually see people in the flesh. Biggest week of the year. Oh, and Cameron sounds like Bob Harris. <laughs> <laughs> yes, some overindulgence at Murrayfield at the weekend has set Super Bowl week off to an absolute flyer on my side. Um, very excited to be doing this in association with the Scotsman as well. Um, so you'll be able to read a little bit about um, the Super Bowl in the Scotsman and hopefully they'll be linking to the show. So anyone that's tuning in for the first time from that, we welcome you. Basically, if you haven't listened before, and this is the one time you do, because let's be honest, guys, this is the time of year where the Super Bowl draws in a, a, an extra crowd you know there, there's those of us that sit and watch this all year long even when it's not on but there's certainly people that get on board for the Super Bowl because there's so much pomp and excitement around this that it's hard not to we'd like to welcome every single person you know what Cameron some people don't like when their environment is jumped on by the casual fan I welcome it I think this is a brilliant thing it's a superb gateway to a brilliant game and if anybody is joining us for the first time and is going to be watching the game for the first time you've picked a great game you've picked the right podcast as well that should be said um, you know and we're delighted to help people and I think it's one of the great things about the community of American football fans is they welcome people in and help them uh, you know, it's not an exclusive club. Certainly not with us as members. Uh, well, that's Paul cursed the game already by saying it's a great one. So that's a 10-3 thriller that we're getting. <laughs> um, no, absolutely. On paper, this looks to be a, a cracker. If you're just coming into this, two four seeds coming out, having won their divisions, have played brilliantly in the postseason, have gone on the road and won at places that they weren't expected to win, have progressed in thrilling encounters. The whole postseason has been sensational and it set this up beautifully. There's so many, and, and this is the thing with American football, there's so many different nuances and statistics that you can throw at this. Right away, the funnest one that I'm really enjoying is the whole Burrow versus Stafford thing where Burrow is the quickest number one picked quarterback to then go on and play in a, in a Super Bowl. Uh, and Matt Stafford is the longest period of time that a number one picked quarterback has then gone on to play in a Super Bowl at 13 years. Two years for Burrow, 13 years for Stafford. He had to get out of Detroit to do it. The Rams spent big. The Bengals invested in their offense. This is brilliant. This is exactly what the NFL is all about. Gentlemen, though, we're going to sit down and we're going to digest this. And let's start with the Bengals first of all. You know, we're going to talk about where this game can be won and where it can be lost. And let's open the floor with the, the Cincinnati Bengals. How did the Cincinnati Bengals win Super Bowl 56? It's Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. That's the reason why they have, and there's other parts of that team that are good, but the reason why they have had a meteoric rise to being one of the best teams in the NFL is because they got the pick at quarterback right, and they got him a top-tier wide receiver. Chris Collinsworth this week said that he thinks Jamar Chase is already the best Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver that he's ever seen play. He includes himself, he includes Chad Ochocinco in that group. There's things that Jamar Chase does that, you know, he's already a top five wide receiver in the NFL, I think. How much, though, is he complimented in the system that he's in by the fact that there are two other top class receivers there? And how much is that going to impact when it comes to Sunday? Because we've seen him go off for 200 yards in a game here and there, but 
he's got T Higgins on the other side of the field who's made a thousand yards as well and you've got Tyler Boyd and then Azama at the tight end as well who's who's had a great season would he have had that impact this season if he didn't have the complementary pieces there as well maybe not and it was like we saw it's very much been the Jamar Chase show for a while now but Early on in the season, it was rotating between, you know, Tyler Boyd would have a big game, then it would be Higgins, then it would be Chase. And I think he is going to be the number one guy there. But the reason why, if you look at these two teams, the top receiver is on the opposite side, but the best group of wide receivers in Cincinnati. What I find fascinating is how they've used their various options. Because let's be honest, we've all seen the NFL where, you know, the best wide receiver gets double coverage. And they're comfortable, the defences, and letting the other guys go because they're simply not good enough. That's not the case here. I mean, T Higgins, as we've seen in the playoffs already, will tear you apart if you leave him alone. And I think that that is the key, is to make the right decisions from Joe Burrow to get the right guys involved at the right time. And one thing I think Burrow's been really good at is reading the coverage. You know, he doesn't force it too often. I mean, just a little bit, as all quarterbacks do. But, you know, he's not one of these quarterbacks who decides, that's my read, that's where I'm going. He's very quick through his progressions. And when you've got that smorgasbord of, of people in front of you to choose from, that makes for real danger. And I think the Rams, I'm not too concerned about the Rams' offense as it is, because I think they'll get the better of the Bengals' D. I think this will come down to how well the Rams' defense plays. I think if you look at you know all the six aspects of the game, that to me is key. I think the Rams' defense will make or break the Super Bowl. Absolutely, and I think that you know Joe Burrow has done a lot. If we if we need to remember, he's just coming back from injury as well. Uh, you know, we'll get on to our awards podcast as we'll do after the Super Bowl and everything's settled on the season, but. You know, Joe Burrow's got to be up there as part of the, you know, comeback player of the year, absolutely. Um, to, to have done what he's done and to have such a, to date, clean season, given how inexperienced he is at the NFL, shows a lot about his football brain. Um, the number of options he has definitely helps. There's no two ways about it. We've not really talked about Joe Mixon as well in the backfield and what he provides as an asset. Um for the Bengals to win, for me, it's, it is the offense. You know, there, there's no two ways about that. They, what they need to do is they need to sling it. They showed that they can do it. That comeback win from being 21-3 down against the Chiefs to come back and win that game, to have done it repeatedly during the season um, and score big points. The games against the Ravens, sorry to bring them up again, Gordon. Um, it's, I'm a little bit more treacherous doing it now when he's in the same room as me. Um, but, you know... The fact that the Bengals kept going for it just shows that that killer instinct on offense, and that's what you need against what is, and we will talk about the Rams in more detail, but what is a tremendous Rams defense that is very capable of disrupting the game plan for Cincinnati. You mentioned, though, Burrow having a clean season. He has to have a clean game, and his offensive line have got to have a clean game because he's not going to make an impact perhaps the way that you would want him to. I think they're going to have to score 30 points in this game. I think the winning team's going to go over 30 points. If the if the Bengals want to score 30 points in this game, they're going to have to keep him upright. And don't forget, the Titans put him down nine times in the, in the uh, divisional round. Against the Chiefs, who are a different kind of defense to the, the Titans, I think he was only sacked once. Now, he was the most sacked quarterback in the entire season, over 50 sacks. At some point, that offensive line is going to break, and it's a question of whether or not 
the Rams can take advantage of that. The Rams' defense is much more similar to the Titans' defense than it is to the Chiefs' defense in terms of the fact they've got that pressure in the four-man blitz. So he's only going to have that success to sling it, as you say, if his offensive line can keep him upright. And I think that's the real kind of the crucial battle in the whole in the whole game is can they hold out against the Rams' pass rush? I, I don't think they can. So I don't think they can hold out. I think the Rams are going to get pressure. How Burrow reacts to that pressure is going to be key because. He's, he's fascinating under pressure because a lot of the sacks he takes are his own fault. He drops back too deep. He turns away when he shouldn't turn away. But we also saw against the Chiefs, there was two or three plays that should have been sacks that he was slipping away from Chris Jones. So he's like a really fascinating player when pressure does get there. If he can have the type of game where he avoids that and avoids those mistakes that lead to sacks and doesn't put the offense into you know third and longs, I, I think they've got a good chance to consistently move the ball in this game. And I think the flip side of that is I know we're talking about the offense, and I think that's the big part. The Bengals' defense this year has been really solid, and it's because of the the players they brought in. They brought in, you know, a good few free agents who have made a huge impact in that defense mm-hmm. at all three levels: the defensive backfield, but especially up front. A guy like Trey Hendrickson's, you know, wreaked havoc mm-hmm. on opposing offensive lines this year. Jesse Bates is playing outstandingly well in the D. So it's it's people like that that you need to step up. I mean, you could argue, I mean, the Bengals actually shouldn't be in the Super Bowl because the Titans, you can't put somebody in their backside nine times and not win the game. And I'm surprised that there's actually not more pressure on the Titans and their coaching staff because of that. It's almost like they've accepted that. But the fact is he kept getting himself back up and back up and back up. But your luck's going to run out at some point. And that's my concern about Joe Burrow. I mean, you described it perfectly, Gordon. I mean, he got away brilliantly at times last week from the Chiefs, but he should also just throw the damn ball away on certain occasions. And I just wonder how often, and, and the last thing we need in the Super Bowl is for him to get sacked and not be able to get back up. You know, because that would just, you know, destroy, the destroy the whole game. Yeah. You know, and you can only go to the well so many times. I mean, I was amazed he finished the Titans game. Because, I mean, he, I mean it, they weren't just... You know, they weren't just wrap-up sacks. I mean, he was getting obliterated. They definitely made adjustments, though, against the Chiefs. And as, the Chiefs are not that big, huge four guys up front um, in your face the whole time and dropping seven back into coverage. The, the Chiefs were trying to blitz. But l- you look at the number of yards after the catch that Cincinnati had against the Titans. I was over 230 yards after the catch. There hasn't been a, an absolute home-run play, really, in the playoffs by the Bengals. Because he has been playing the percentages. And as you say, he goes through his progressions. He's so quick. He is so quick at that. And the fact that he's only a year two quarterback and he's developed that to that stage is, I mean, it's great if you're a Cincinnati fan. You've got 15 years of this. It's crap if you're a Ravens fan. You're going to have to watch this for well, the next 10 years, 15 they've, years. They've got, <laughs> they, they've got three more years of this. And then they have to have an owner open the purse strings, which traditionally is not done. So... Maybe there's not we'll the 15 years. They've got, they've got, I mean, Carson Palmer was yeah. the next big thing at quarterback and that, and that didn't go that way. So, but this is, this is, and this is why this game is so important for the Bengals because look at that situation whereby your owner might not be willing to make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL in three years time. You've got a, a short window here with him and a rookie, rookie contract, and they're probably not going to get a better opportunity than this. They only had to beat one out of the Chiefs and the Bills and they're getting the fourth seed in the NFC. They're not getting the Packers. They're not getting Tom Brady in the Bucks. It's a really good opportunity for them. 
Yeah, I've got to remember, I mean, for people who might be listening to us for the first time, so there's a couple of things there. When we talk about progressions, it's open receivers and, you know, your play is drawn up to decide you're going to receive an A if he's covered its B, C, D, etc. The other thing about the Bengals being a cheapskate, I mean, they've got the worst training facilities, arguably, in the whole of the NFL. I think they still train Outdoors. somewhere close to an underpass. Mm. You know, I mean, it's, it's almost like the owner has blocked them on certain occasions, you know, to try and actually make them good. I mean, this is the time that actually Cincinnati should be saying, tell you what, we've got a star on our hands. We should be investing in proper, you know, and when I say proper training facilities, we're talking NFL quality training facilities because they're amazing in some of these places, you know, Dallas and Tampa and things like that. So I think this is a chance for Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, he might look at it and say, look, we've got three years of this guy and that's going to be it because we're going to move him on. Or they could actually start to try and build something really, really good. I mean, Kansas City, people take the mickey out of them calling them a dynasty of one. <laughs> because that's all they've done in the Super Bowl, you know, but they've got arguably the best player in the whole, whole of football. So I think this is a pivotal moment for Cincinnati. Win or lose this game, you know, the next few years, they've got a chance to build something really special with, you know, their divisional opponents will rise and fall as well. I mean, they were the, they were 125 to 1 to make the Super Bowl. You know, it's absolutely incredible. The turnaround from worst to first is one of the most outstanding in the last 10, 12 years. And we've seen teams go from worst to first in their division, but to go and actually win your championship game, it's quite outstanding. So this is a big time for Cincinnati, this game aside. It's interesting. We talked there about this is the best time for them to, to possibly win because of the circumstances of the season where they've not had to play the Chiefs and the Bills and what have you. I wonder, though, whether or not this is maybe a year or two before they expected this team to be at this point because of a couple of gaps. And we'll come on to this because we'll talk about how Cincinnati loses this game. Um, I wonder whether or not that comes into play here, that there's an element here where things have come the right side up. The luck hasn't run out. It's continued into the postseason. It's not just luck. That's disrespectful to the Bengals. They played brilliantly. But it's, it feels like this is a team on the cusp of being a Super Bowl winning team. I'm not saying they're not going to win it, but it just, I, I don't know. The, it just feels like there's a couple of pieces missing for this to be a complete side. I don't think there is, though, a complete side in the league, Cameron. Are the Rams not a complete moment. side? They're, no. they're not a complete side at all. And I think we sit here as um, expert observers, haha, and we, we, we big up the Chiefs or we big up the the Rams for the the way in which they've built their roster and spending big money and or we look at the Buccaneers last year who on paper in every facet of their team look like the strongest team and then they went on to win it there isn't a perfect team in the league ever because that is the way that's the beauty of you know the salary cap system and the way in which players come and go and are traded and the fact that what we've seen over the last 20 years with the Patriots was is a one-off situation whereby a team was able to compete year after year after year, get to the Super Bowl every other year. You're never going to probably see that ever again. That was a perfect storm. The Cincinnati Bengals were always going to be better because of the way they've drafted. For them to be in this position now, absolutely, I think that they would admit themselves that they are two years ahead of the game ball. But you ride your luck and you also build confidence. This is the thing that you speak to professional sportsmen and women, when you've got a confident dressing room, it doesn't matter if perhaps the other team is on paper better than you. You go into that game thinking, I can win this. They went into Kansas City two weeks ago. They were underdogs by a touchdown. 
there was no reason for them to be underdogs by a touchdown because they'd beaten the Chiefs already and they just knocked off the number one seed. They have got everything going for them. And I don't think there's going to be any doubt in their minds when it comes to the fourth quarter, if they're in the game, that they can't win the Super Bowl. And can you imagine the self-belief that's going to flow through this place uh, You know, if they do win it? It reminds me of the Patriots almost 20 years ago. No one expected the Patriots to beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, and they did, and look what happened then. And that was a team that had a, a young guy at quarterback who was cool under pressure, and he was able to handle it. And the rest was history. And the Bengals are probably a better team than that Patriots team was 20 years ago in terms of the, some of the individual pieces they've got. I also think like American football fans need to embrace the idea of luck way more than they currently do. There's this, this whole concept of the best team wins and this is why. and It's a 17-game regular season and then either three or four one-off games. There's not the seven-game series that you get in basketball and baseball and all this stuff. When that happens, little bounces of the ball go against you or for you and it you know changes dynamics in the games all you can do is like set your team up to be in the best possible position you're going to get luck of some form throughout the season and because the playoffs is a four game sample for your team that's not going to be luck is not going to even itself out put yourself in a position to take advantage of that and that's exactly what the Bengals have done disregard the analytics pish Use use the, <laughs> use the analytics to put yourself in the strongest position to take advantage of the luck. That's exactly what I'm saying. Thank you. <laughs> As we bridge into how the Bengals lose this game, CJ Uzuma, the injury there, the, the biggest question mark remains over his head. Now, at the, the Bengals fan rally yesterday, he whipped off his knee brace and he has apparently said that he is not missing the biggest game of his life. So, verbally... He's trending to play. How significant do we think he is to the, the Bengals' chance for success on Sunday? He's a fourth receiver, when you think about it, on paper. But it, I th- as, a, as a, an outlet valve, I think he is very important. Um, but Is he important yeah. to the O-line? That's the, so this is yeah. where I'm going to go. Is he From also a blocking important perspective, to the O-line? I, yeah, and it'll be really interesting. So we, we talk about Chase... And he is the X factor in terms of as a receiving option. You'd imagine, I mean, the obvious matchup is Jalen Ramsey, the star cornerback, up against Jamar Chase, the star wide receiver. That, we everyone will look at that. And this is why we talk about T. Higgins, the number two receiver. And this is why we talk about Tyler Boyd in the slot. And this is why we talk about Azama as a tight end. Ultimately, Burrow's going to succeed. And, and the, the Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl in all likelihood not because Jamar Chase has gone for 250 yards because he's going to probably be tracked by Jalen Ramsey all day unless for some unknown reason that the Rams have got some game plan that they don't intend to do that Azama as a block do you think that they're going to probably keep six men in blocking I think they're going to have to at some point because as Gordon said that defensive line of of Los Angeles is going to come and get you at some you know at some point during the game they've got other receivers uh, sorry, a tight end, I should say. They've got other tight ends who can block, but nobody maybe of that receiving capacity of Izama. So I don't know. I don't think he's going to make that much of a kind of difference that's going to determine the result of the game. Before we move on as well, I feel like the, the defence, Gordon touched on this earlier, this Bengals defence is good. Uh, and I think that it's easy to overlook them when it's the offence that are doing all the big 
numbers, putting them on the board. But you look at, you know, Eli Apple uh, on social media, drawing a lot of heat from some of his previous teams. He's certainly very vocal. Saints reject. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't get me started on Eli. Ha, have has everyone seen though? Like Saints fans were sharing last week, Eli Apple highlight reels from his time in New Orleans. I would recommend everyone oh. looks them up on YouTube. They're incredible. It's just <laughs> you're using the word highlight. That's what that's what they refer to. Yeah, as. in in the same way that I tweeted this week that you had to give credit to Eddie Jones, the England rugby coach, because he said Scotland would win. They were the favourites. So I tweeted that out after the game. <laughs> uh, say, give Eddie Jones all the credit in the world. And somebody came back to me and said, no, I think that was just mind games. <laughs> I think somebody didn't quite get what I was meaning with sarcasm. And I think the Saints fans should be applauded. Uh, the, the, you know, Eli Apple, pardon the pun, was rotten to the core in New Orleans. Um, but it does seem to be working for him in Cincinnati. He has found a place where he's not necessarily a massive contributor to the team, but he is a part of it. Uh, Chidobi Awuzi is having a great season and I think that the fact that we've not mentioned his name yet I felt we had to at least before we move on um, Jesse Bates we've talked about Von Bell is significant there up front Sam Hubbard's had a great season BJ Hill I think has been really good Trey Hendrickson's been disruptive there's multiple names on that list that you can call to and go actually these are guys capable of making plays and that's what you need they're all they're all new like in the last year or two to that team as well Mike Hilton's another guy in the defensive backfield and there is this idea now in the NFL that smart teams will draft on offense and buy on defense because you can draft. It's easier to project offensive players, as people seem to think these days. On defense, you can go out and you can buy good, solid players for a lot less than you know what you'd have to pay a, a top five player at that position. And the Bengals' defense this year is a very good indicator of you don't need to be great on defense. You can be good as long as you've got the firepower on offense. That good can be good enough to get you where you need to go. Well, the Bengals conceded 21 points in no time against Kansas City. And you, know, you, you look at what they did in the second half to essentially frustrate Mahomes, shut down Kelsey, shut down Hill, the two main offensive weapons for Kansas City, drop eight back, and essentially tell the quarterback to make a mistake and make a decision. And we've not really seen that a, a team at, at, at a championship level do that. And it was a really, really interesting ploy. And you can see them doing it again in the Super Bowl. And that comes down from a great defensive scheme, as well as good players who are doing their job properly. These, these players are drilled and they're experienced, as you say. So they know how to play their positions and do their job. And I don't see them having a blowout or some kind of letdown in, in the big occasion because they've done it twice twice in a row. Mm -hmm. The one other piece that we need to talk about as to how the Bengals win, special teams. And uh, a man whose bloodline we're still currently tracing, but Evan <laughs> McPherson has been sensational this year. Ice cold kicker. Can we, for, to use his full name, Evan second best kicker in the AFC North <laughs> just to just to correct a previous podcast I, I cannot believe that you can't pronounce his name properly I know, know it's the Jacksonville Jaguars and it's even McPherson 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 actually sounds better because the, you can throw in the whole you know the, the, the defence fear him here comes McPherson but no it's McPherson um, he's been brilliant uh, and again I've loved the whole you know holding him up as the um, the leader as to why drafting a kicker is a great thing to do but 
kickers are massively important, and we've seen that throughout the season. Mason Crosby, let's use him as the counterpoint. Um, but, you know, McPherson's That's a, that's a cheap had, shot. <laughs> McPherson's had a great season. Ultimately, is the reason that the Bengals are in the Super Bowl at all because of the big kicks that he had against the Chiefs. And he's a big factor in this game. Yeah, I mean, he's shown throughout the playoffs that He's not the biggest thing. I don't think is the the fact that he's made field goals. It's the fact that he's not looked remotely scared. There was the whole thing of you know going up for the game winning kick against the Titans, and he turns to someone and says, "Well, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game." <laughs> and you know he's had that attitude, and he's he's clearly not scared by this stuff. And arguably, that's the most important thing for a kicker. You know, we're going to talk to one later on. Not being scared in those situations when. You, for most people, your heart would be pounding out of the pads that you're wearing to be able to just focus on kick that ball through the uprights, ignore the crowd noise, ignore the fact that you miss it, your team are going home, you make it, you're going to the Super Bowl, all that stuff. I think it's so important, and he's been very good at that this year. be interesting to see if he misses a kick in the Super Bowl, early doors, and then see how he approaches his second because that will tell you a lot about his character as well. I mean, I think we know what his character is. And, you know, Charles Messi, you, sp- you speak to, to guys who play sport, you know, if they miss a chance, they miss a chance. They know another one's coming. It's not always the case with, with kickers in the same game, but if he misses early, I, I would have no qualms about, you know, putting him out again because I would expect him to, to get the, the second one. And you can't say that about all kickers. You know, somebody misses once... You know, the head goes down. So, But you talked about luck. Luck is a factor. I don't think there's any doubt. If you look at the play that, that eventually got the Bengals there, Mahomes throws the ball. It's a bad throw. It's batted down. You know, the boy comes through to knock the ball down. And lo and behold, it's straight to another Bengal. Now, that's not drawn up. It's good defence, but that's luck. At the end of the day, the guy was in the right place to receive the ball that could have been batted left or right, and it was batted centre. And it'll be interesting to see in this Super Bowl if somebody gets a lucky break early, how the other team reacts to that as well. I mean, in that case, Kansas had no answer. They were done the second that ball was caught, uh, which set up the kick for McPherson. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting. I know, Cameron, you're going to come on to it, but the one person we've not talked about at the moment is Matthew Stafford. So my, my question to you guys, they obviously got rid of Jared Goff. I mean, it's, it's quite horrible to trade a quarterback. You know, you're going from LA to Detroit and the other guy comes the other way. Would the Rams be here with Jared Goff? No. Unlikely, no. No. Would the Rams be here if they'd picked up another quarterback like Matthew Stafford? The point I'm driving at is I don't think he's the reason for their success. I think he's, it, he's made a good team better. Yeah, and that team was clearly hampered by Jared Goff. But I think you could have picked half a dozen mid to top range quarterbacks. That's where I'm going. And plug them in. Yeah, yeah. So you've you have kind of moved uh, the conversation on in that direction. Uh, the only thing that we had left to talk about the Bengals was how do they lose this? I think we've kind of touched on it about the offensive line already. Anyway, that's the biggest area of concern. But only other thing I would say on how the Bengals lose this game is go back and look at how the Rams lost to the Patriots in McVeigh's first season where he got the Rams all the way to the Super Bowl. Zach Taylor, I think, was a coach on that team. He's part of the McVeigh coaching tree, if you can have a coaching tree when you're that young. (laughs) In that Super Bowl, Sean McVeigh, as 
good a coach as he is, as good an offensive mind as he is, clammed up and tightened up. And early in his career with the Bengals, Zach Taylor has shown a tendency up until the last seven, eight weeks to tighten up. And I don't think he will, but if he tightens up in this Super Bowl, I don't think they win the game. He has to be willing to just trust Burrow, trust, trust Chase, trust the passing game to win the game for them and, you know, get a lead and then run Joe Mixon. And if he doesn't clamp up, I think they're fine. But that's the one concern I have there. And I wonder whether or not he has been influenced by the looseness that his players have been and that will automatically make the decision for him. I mean, you saw how he... You remember that game that they played in the regular season against the Chiefs and they went for it, fourth and goal... First and goal, second goal, fourth, and they were going to they were going to try and win the game, and we'll talk maybe about the two coaching head to heads later. But I wonder whether he's just riding with those players at the moment. And that yeah. free and easy vibe that's going through Cincinnati is rubbing off on the coach. Interesting indeed. Uh, on to the Rams then, and as Paul says, Matthew Stafford makes the move over in a trade, blockbuster trade around this time last year. Actually, um, the Rams are clearly all in. They've managed to get to the Super Bowl. They've beaten Brady in Tampa. They've then progressed. They they finally beat the 49ers, um, you know, having gone 6-0. They did what they needed to do, and they looked clinical in doing it. They now come up against an informed Bengals team, but make no mistakes, this LA Rams team is set up for success. It has strength across the board. It has a number of high-quality pieces. How do the, the Rams win this game? They don't turn the ball over. That's the key. Matthew Stafford, 11-0 and in the regular season with a 100-plus passer rating. When he turns the ball over, it gets nervy. It, things go all right. I mean, what was, there was a game, some, was it the Titans game in the regular season? He had an absolute mare. And they were all over him like a rash. That game was done by half-time because that pass rush just overwhelmed him. Three interceptions. He has a tendency throughout his career, Matthew Stafford, to just throw in some absolute mind meltdowns. And he has chucked one or two into the mix this season. But in the playoffs, he's been terrific. And I think he will look at it from the point of view of his own development as a player. And this is a guy who's now in his mid-30s and his experiences you're going to get that he's won a playoff game, he's now won three playoff games, and he's done them without making crucial mistakes. We saw the turnovers against Tampa Bay when they can, you know, they turned the ball over four times. None of them were his fault, really. But, he, sh- but he, did, he should have turned the ball over against San Francisco. He, ju- he should it's have It's the done. worst drop interception yeah. of the season. But again, we talk about your luck. Yeah, so, and I think I think they are riding a little bit of fortune as well, the Rams. Yeah, Stafford has lifted his game this year because he's got better players around him. He was cursed in Detroit for years. He had one receiver in the, first, in the start of his career, and he's been he's been put in a really good situation. He's taken taken advantage of it. But go back to your point: Could you have plugged in another? Let's say you plugged in Derek Carr into that system, who's a top ten quarterback for the Raiders. Would he have got the Rams to the Super Bowl? I think he probably would have done. And, see, I don't think Something he like would. That. This is where I think the Rams made this gamble, and I, I, I don't know if I would have made the same gamble, but they looked at it and said, let's get a quarterback who's high-end can get us there, and if we can ride that luck on like a four-game. You look at you know other little streak, streaky quarterbacks we've seen, Nick Foles' playoff run, Joe Flacco's playoff run, they gambled on 
Stafford being good enough that if you can get that little bit of luck, if you get the dropped interception in the game against the 49ers and all that stuff, his high-end play is enough to get you there. I don't know if Derek Carr or maybe a Carson Wentz, who was the other player who was available this year, consistently has the high-end. So I think they've gambled on, let's just hope we get a little bit lucky and the high end will be good enough to get us there. I like Matthew Stafford. I've always mm. liked Matthew Stafford. You know, I mean, to to endure what he endured in Detroit is is so difficult as a professional athlete, knowing you're going to play in that division, that, you know, all you hear every, you know, pre-season is this, this is our year, we've built well, we've built well. Now that comes from all the PR and all the coaching and, and he's there knowing that that's, that's not the case. My my big fear is is he, he does what he does it did against San Francisco and it's caught and it just takes all of the momentum and all of the energy away. But I think if you look at some of the things we've been talking about, guys, that it's actually been that kind of season. The Titans should have beaten the Bengals. I think the 49ers should have beaten the Rams. We've, we've seen this in different parts of the playoffs. There's arguments and they're great pub arguments because what's happened has happened. But, you know, we, we could argue otherwise. I think this makes it really interesting. I think Stafford's good enough to lead the Rams. I think, you know, well, you know, you get so much about Aaron Donald. If Aaron Donald turns up and leads the defence, I, I said at the start of the podcast, and I maintain it now, the most important unit in this whole thing is the Rams' defence. If they perform, they'll win. That, that's that's my belief. Talk about McVeigh last time, as you did. I mean, they got three points against the Patriots in that Super Bowl. They lost 13-3. to I spent an evening as a New England Patriots fan, <laughs> you know, which and I had to go home and shower, obviously. Um, you know, need to know that McVeigh, call it what you will. McVeigh got tight, perhaps in the way that we're, we're yeah. hoping that Zach Taylor. But he's not. I tight. think he's a naturally conservative coach, Sean McVeigh. It's because he comes from the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree, and look at so him. It's kind of fascinating uh, that, like, so the the coaches who are known as offensive geniuses for good reason because they dial up some very interesting plays have put some stuff out there that is very conservative at times in key moments Matt they LaFleur, clam up Zach Matt LaFleur Kyle Shanahan Zach Taylor Sean McVay it's really interesting that for guys who are really innovative with a lot of the stuff they do they also get really tight in big moments we've talked there obviously that the Rams have a lot of talent um, We've questioned them an awful lot. I feel like we've picked up the Bengals more than we've picked up the Rams. We've not talked about Cooper Cup. We've not talked about Odell Beckham. We've not talked about the the talent that they have on their team. Mm-hmm. There's no getting away from the fact that, you know, if both teams play to their absolute best, the Rams are the better team. Are they? The are they? Why? Because oh, I think got bigger names. Because of the sum of the parts. Because I think the sum of the parts on the full team is stronger for the Rams. I mean, this is why they're favourites, right? It's a four-point spread. I think they're favourites because what, they're se- they're a sexy pick. They're they're the it's the home game. They are. You all don't in. become favourites because you're sexy, yeah, right? Yeah. That's not how that works. <laughs> well, it's worked for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh Jesus! We're, we're listening. First of all, you're describing your shower. Then you're your sexy. Can't help it, guys. I, I think this is a really even. I don't think there's uh, anything in this game. Yeah, it's really even. It's really close. You can on the balance of this season, I think you'd take Burrow over Stafford. Yep. You'd take the Bengals receivers just, I think, overall as over what the over Cooper Cup as a group. Well, so but but, but I think Odell now playing so, the way he's so playing. At Odell Beckham and Van Jefferson as well. 
Tyler Higby's probably a better receiving threat than Uzama, even if he's fit. So it's really close, but I think it probably does come down to the fact that the number two, I think Higgins is a better player right now than Odell Beckham is. Yeah. But Odell Beckham was a great pickup for them. Coming from the point where we were told that, you know, he wasn't, it was his problem it wasn't working out in Cleveland. And he's gone to the Rams, scored a whole bunch of touchdowns, come up big in the playoffs when they needed them to. And it, it does give that thing that the Bengals can't just focus on Cooper Cup. They have to, you know, give respect to Odell Beckham as well. well. Beckham went over 100 yards in the championship game. That was yeah. the first time he's done it. And his attitude has been spot on. And we were slaughtering his attitude in the, during the season about the way he, went, he left Cleveland and all the razzmatazz that surrounds him. He has clearly realised this is what a chance to win a Super Bowl ring. And he has played as good as he can play now. And don't forget, he's not a young guy anymore. He's nearly 13. He's maybe not the player he was at the Giants five or six years ago. Um, that he will, he will be the one, ultimately, I think, who will dictate whether or not the Rams can get their whole game going. Because Cooper Cup always gets open. And Cooper Cup is going to make 100 yards. Maybe 150 yards. I, don't think there's a, I think the Bengals are probably resigned to that happening. The key is to shut down Beckham. Because if you do find a situation whereby Cooper Cup's not open, what does Matthew Stafford do? Then he throws an interception if Beckham's not there. And that's and I, and that's, I think that's it, the crux, isn't I it? I think it could be Eli Apple who's matched up with Beckham a lot. And that's probably the thing for the Rams that would most excite me and for the Bengals that would scare me a lot. And if you take his perpetual Bob Bagri away from it... You Wait, know, which is probably a bit overrated. No, no, no. I'm not even talking. I'm not talking about Beckham here. If you take away the perpetual Bob Bagri away from Antonio Brown, this is a very similar story this year to what the Antonio Brown one was last year when Brown went to the Buccaneers. The hype around this great player who has landed in places that haven't allowed him the opportunity to win a Super Bowl. There is a lot of media excitement and hype to the point where I alluded to this in a previous podcast. After the games, they were talking about game respecting game because Beckham was hugging Brady when it was Cooper Cup that got 160 plus of the 260 total yards or something. It was I can't remember the exact numbers now off the top of my head, but it was Cooper Cup that was the standout performer that day. It's been Cooper Cup all year long, but Beckham will draw the headlines. He always will. It's like Antonio Brown was the year before in Tampa. This is an opportunity for Beckham to win his Super Bowl. So there's a media hype around that. To a certain extent, I mean, Antonio Brown is thoroughly unpleasant. I think Odell Beckham, while I've, he's indulged in Bob Bagley, I've never actually taken a, a severe dislike Oh, yeah, I mean, yes. So I, th I think there's a difference in the players themselves. I mean, I, I was a little bit grumpy that Antonio Brown won the Super Bowl because he is that kind of guy. Was Odell Beckham? No, I mean, I think he's won the battle with Cleveland. I think he, you know, it, it was horrible and his father involved and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, the stupid social media stuff that we get nowadays. And the easiest thing would have been for him to go to the Rams and just continue to be a spoiled child. But I think he realised what was in the Rams. And he, he went back to being Odell Beckham, the football player. And I think I think he is key. If, I mean, Cooper Cup's the best receiver on the field. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think one of the things that's going to be important in this game is yards after catch. If You know, Cooper Cup's going to get the catches, but you have got to nail him at point of catch. Because mm -hmm. if he gets away from you, you know, it's just, it's just like Higgins... You know, that, that's what's going to decide some of these games. You've, you've got to shut him down. He might be open, but you've got to try and shut him down. And if he's not getting the yards after catch, they might have to go and look somewhere else. And that's where the mistakes can come. Cup said something really interesting in his media interviews yesterday. And it was along the lines of, 
speed is not the like quickness is more important than speed and that's where he's really difficult for people in the NFL he's he's fast enough i think people obviously underrate his speed a little bit but he's also really quick and really shifty and the ability to make those quick cuts that opens up a yard of space that allows you to then gain those extra 10 15 yards is really important one of the things coming into this just a little factoid the spread is four points like we talked about the rams are the favorites one thing that the bengals can maybe look to that is that the last couple of games where the spread has been four points or higher the team has beaten not just the spread but the team expected to lose has gone on and won the game you go back and you look at new england had a four and a half point spread advantage against the eagles the eagles won the panthers had a four and a half point spread against the broncos the broncos won the 49ers had a four and a half point spread against the ravens uh i don't want to talk about that game um you can go back further you know the colts had a five point spread against the saints and the Saints won that game. The last time a team, you know, that had a great spread beat it was the Saints. Sorry, no, it wasn't. It was the Steelers in 2009 against uh, the Cardinals. It was a seven-point spread and it ended up being a four-point game. So that was closer. You know, even the game before that, New England came into the against the Giants in 2008 with 12-point spread and they lost that game by three points. So the, the pre-game numbers don't really count for anything. And it comes back to the luck element that you talked about. This is a single game. It's all to play for. You need the bounce of the ball. You need the right things to happen. For the Rams, though, what is it? That, what is going to be the biggest cause for them failing? Is it going to be Matthew Stafford throwing it away? Is it going to be that the defense just can't convert the plays? Is it going to be that Jalen Ramsey isn't effective? Is it going to be that they're going to be too boisterous and too in their face and actually damage themselves with penalties? We've seen from Ramsey that kind of approach, and I wonder in the Super Bowl whether they crack down on that. Hometown pressure and being all in, that is the one quantifiable that the Rams have got to deal with but the Bengals don't and whether you believe it or not we'll know come Sunday night whether or not it has an impact but this is a home game we saw the Buccaneers revel in it last year the first ever home team Super Bowl situation whereby a team is playing in the Super Bowl in their own stadium and they annihilated the the Chiefs now whether the Chiefs had had their full strength offensive line out and it would have been a different story we'll never know these two teams are evenly matched on paper and the only differential that is up in the air is the fact that they're playing in their own stadium and that come that automatically brings pressure there's it's going to be a rams crowd it's got to be a rams crowd if it's not then something's really wrong there and there's i think that that's oh, it's a super bowl crowd though it's naturally well, not going to be a rams crowd it's, because it's a sponsor's crowd well yeah. it's a, you've got to imagine that this is it's an, is, a, it's an LA crowd. It's an LA crowd. Yeah. This is a this is their moment. They have built for this. They are here. Every single player in that Rams locker room knows this is why we're getting shelved all this money. This is why we've mortgaged all our draft picks for the next seven million years. Is to be at this point to do it. With that, you cannot fail. If the Bengals don't win this game, then everyone will still love them and everyone will say, well, they could be back next year because they've still got the talent. If the Rams don't win this game, the inquest is going to go on for months and that is the differential here that puts the pressure on Sean McVay, puts the pressure on Matthew Stafford who is prone to having a wobbly and I don't think you can worry about the defence. I think you've said that the defence are likely to show up but it's about the pressure kick moments and the you know the, whether the kicker's got to make a 50-yarder to win the game or 
whether Matthew Stafford's got to make a throw. These are the these are the things that the Rams have got to deal with that the Bengals don't. And that I think is going to be so key. I think it's interesting. I don't think that Matthew Stafford's under pressure because he's finally got to Super Bowl. And good quarterbacks in their career want to get to the Super Bowl. Ideally, you want to win it. But if you look at the list of quarterbacks who've never made the Super Bowl, so that's, that's a big tick off his list. I think the pressure's on Sean McVay. I think it's... Yeah. You get to a Super Bowl and you coach it in your own one and you basically had a mayor. The thought of being 0-2, you know, having been all in, I think that's where the pressure's going to come. I mean... He was lauded as a genius and then had a terrible Super Bowl. Will he do that again? I think that's where the pressure comes. Now, anybody listening to this, if you've played in a in a final of anything, football, rugby, bowls, whatever, if you've won one before, you go in with a different attitude. Um, I mean, it's a small thing. And a few years ago, I played in my first bowl singles final. And I won it. I was wondering listen, why Bowles listen. was in that list. <laughs> no, seriously. I want to know how this Honestly, went. Honestly, Todd Bowles is more relevant no. in this conversation. This is like Michael Owen on Twitter. Just oh, congratulations, <laughs> to, congratulations to, to the Rams. I understand the pressure because yeah. I once won a Bowles semi-final. Exactly. But the, the point being, the next time I played in the final, I felt completely different because I'd won the title before. Did you win the second one? No. <laughs> <laughs> but in a way then it didn't matter and, and you speak to sports people if you've won a tournament if you've won what you're playing in you're automatically slightly more relaxed because at the end of the day if you lose you've still got that Super Bowl ring you've still got the FA Cup winner's medal whatever it is and I think there's extra pressure on Sean McVay because there's nothing that looks worse on your CV than 0-2. And do you know what? It, it's a very valid point because we've just touched on the fact that Beckham's got this same conversation coming in with, a, oh, he deserves to win a Super Bowl. There's other names on this list. Aaron Donald is a big name, deserves to win a Super Bowl. Von Miller is another name that people are expecting he's moved to LA because he deserves a Super Bowl. Now he's got one, so that's fine. But there's still that whole thing about him winning again. Jalen Ramsey, oh, Jalen Ramsey deserves a Super Bowl, one of no, the best cornerbacks and what have you. It's a ball back, <laughs> but it's fine. Um, you know, th there's certainly a number of people on there who are talked about in that way. And I think, uh, to, to Charles's point, he's right in the sense that there isn't necessarily anybody on that Bengals team that you're like, oh, this player absolutely should be winning a Super Bowl right now. They are a great team, but there feels, I think there's a very valid point about the pressure being on LA and can they live with that pressure in the moment in their home stadium when they're in the away changing rooms because the AFC are the home team for this one. Um, that'll be fascinating to see how that actually comes out on the field. And does it come out as nervousness or does it come out as something that they can use as a catalyst to drive themselves or, forward? Or how does McVeigh handle it? To Paul's yeah. point, there is a if this is a if this is a game that follows the spread and it is a one possession game, it's a game that at some point Sean McVeigh probably has a decision to make. And he's got a kicker who has missed short this postseason, I think is dealing with a little bit of an injury. Mm. He's going to have a decision to make to either give the ball back to a potent Bengals offense, or punt the ball by punting the ball away, or go for it on fourth down. And this game might come down to his ability to just have the gumption to go for that. And he also has a tendency, and I've talked about this before, 
to burn timeouts like confetti. He doesn't know yep. how to manage the clock. And when you get down to the, the nitty gritty in the fourth quarter, that is so important to keep. You, you can bet game. on that, by the way. You can bet on the Rams to take the first time out, and it's probably the best oh. bet you can make in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> he, I, I, I know Paul doesn't like Sean McVay. I like Sean McVay's vibe about positivity because he looks. He looks, as a coach, to be somebody that if I was a player and I was in my early mid-twenties and a bit beefier than I am now, then I probably would warm to Sean McVay as somebody who would inspire confidence in me. Um, and that's why that coaching tree, as we talk about it with Matt LaFleur, Zach Taylor, these guys are successful because they relate to current players. But I would have no faith in him whatsoever to make the right decision about whether to go for fourth down, you know, go for it on fourth down or take the field goal or take the time out. The other thing he does, he's really slow at getting his plays into his quarterback. And we've seen that quite a lot. And then there was a couple of delay of the game issues in previous um, playoff games that Stafford couldn't get the playoff. And that these things make a difference. You've got to, as a coach, be cool in your mindset. And the question marks are on him. I don't think they're on Zach Taylor. I think they're on him because Zach Taylor is just going with the flow at the moment because his team are riding a wave. Yes, indeed. The one thing I will add to this as well, and I'd say this is a rival of the Rams, and to your point, Charles, like, and it feels weird saying this because clearly they're a rival. I do, don't want to see the LA Rams do well. They're a divisional rival. However, if we look at it on an individual level, Jalen Ramsey aside, because there's a special little space for him in my heart. Uh, um <laughs> But there isn't a lot of unlikable people on this Rams team. And even as a rival, I don't find myself sort of drawn to any one individual and going like, oh, I really can't cope with seeing them win. Um, it obviously disappointed me to see the 49ers lose, but there wasn't anyone other than Ramsey um, who I saw out celebrating where it actually made me sick to my stomach. Were you, were you actually disappointed the 49ers lost, though? I was. But, I, you know, I can enjoy the Super Bowl now a little bit more because they're out. Um, the... So you're, you're rooting for the Rams, is what you're saying? I'm not rooting for them, but what I'm saying is there isn't... Like McVeigh, I'm indifferent to McVeigh. I don't love him, I don't hate him, it's just very meh. And I think that's the way you've described him previously. He's just a bit meh. Um, Here, Jill Central. Yeah, so. I just... Eh, fine, whatever. I don't dislike him. I, I like his approach to the game and things like that. The Rams have been an entertaining team to watch. I really like Cooper Cup. I, I really like Von Miller. I think he's a great player. Uh, Aaron Donald, I, I like as well as a player. It's great to see his style of play. Mm. Um, so there's, there's a lot of things to like. I really like a lot of the Bengals as well. The fact that and we've not talked about it, and we have to talk about it because we name drop every single possible time. The fact that we've seen Burrow and Chase play in person when they were at college, great. You know, to have seen them play for LSU, now we're seeing them in a Super Bowl. Brilliant. Absolutely superb. I don't think, um, you mentioned Aaron Donald. I don't think we've talked enough about Aaron Donald. He is... I think most people would argue, those who know their, um, their their NFL better than we do, that he's the best player in football, without a shadow of a doubt. And he is playing in the biggest game in football for the second time. And he, in the championship game, was more or less kept quiet until the final play. And he turned up and he essentially took down Jimmy Garoppolo. And that was the game deciding play. Yep. He is the number one player in football at the moment in terms of talent level at his position there's nobody that can touch him and that if there's going to be a differential for the Rams going forward they've got the best player on the field and what he does in terms of disrupting the pocket essentially stopping a run game and I don't think you'll see Joe Mixon running up the middle very often for for Cincinnati He he's the number one chaos creator and 
if you've not watched the Rams this season, just keep your eye on 99 and what he does and the damage he does on at, at every snap because it's he's a physical freak. And what it comes down to is, it, you're right, he is one of the best players in the whole NFL. But I come back to what Gordon said earlier. Seeing a seven-game series when Michael Jordan was the best player in basketball, the Bulls would lose a game, but they you know, usually come through and win. That's the thing with football. Aaron Donald could have a bad day, not turn up, get an early injury, you know, and the Bengals go on to win it. Now, if it was a seven-game series between the Rams and the Bengals, I would take the Rams in a seven-game series. I just think they're, you know, they've probably got the more consistency overall. But this is the joy of the NFL and the Super Bowl, just that one-off occasion where anything can happen. And, and that's the joy of the game. Aaron Donald could be an absolute hero. He just might not be anywhere at all. So, uh, yeah, Aaron Donald is the factor for me. He's the difference between the winning and the losing. I think he is the one player that will come on and do that. I think you've heard enough from us, our ill-informed opinions. What? So we decided, <laughs> let's catch up with someone that's been there and done it. And do you know what? He's even Scottish too. So you've heard us prattle on now. We thought we'd get somebody that actually knows what they're talking about. So delighted to be joined by two-time Super Bowl winning Scotsman. Please welcome back to the NFL Scotland podcast, Lawrence Tynes. Good evening, sir. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming back on. And, and it bet. felt only right. You know, we've just been speaking about what is our scintillating Super Bowl coming up this weekend. However, we wanted to get some insight as to what it's actually like going through the process as a player. Um, you've done it a couple of times. You were successful both times. So we can ask you and you can look back fondly on happy yeah. memories and enjoy every minute of it. But from the minute that you won the championship game and you know you're in the Super Bowl, what happens next? You know, what, what are the next two weeks like? It is, you know, the first couple of days you're you're just trying to compartmentalize. Oh my God, I'm I'm going to the Super Bowl, a game you've probably, if you played football, you've dreamed about playing in it your whole life. And then the first, you know, the first three or four days is right. You get you, you deal a lot with family and friends. Can I come to the game? Can I come to the game? And the answer is no. <laughs> um, to be quite honest, you only get so many tickets, um, and then you have to buy them. And, you know, when I was in the Super Bowl 10 years ago, I mean, they're $1,000 a piece and you you still have to buy them and then distribute them to your family, but you only get so many. Um, so that's the tough part. So you leave that up to your wife, um, let her tell everyone no. And then you just, um, you know, that first week is just a lot of planning, you know, most of that stuff, travel out there for your family, hotels, which the team does a really good job of getting all that set up for you. And then, you know, you get into, you know, like I think we went out on Sunday to the Super Bowl out to Arizona and then to Indy. And then once you get there, uh, you've got media day. Um, and that's fun. But the nerves start kicking in probably around like your first day of practice on Wednesday, Super Bowl week. You realize, OK, all the fun stuff is is out of the way now. Now it's time to get the business. So, um I felt like the nerves started to really hit me like on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It slowly builds up until you get to the game. You touched on their media day. How does the extra media attention in the run-up to the Super Bowl impact you? You know, obviously, as a kicker, you would be in front of the media from time to time when you're hitting, you know, game-winning field goals and things like that. Yeah. But how's that extra attention across the team felt? 
Well, everyone gets interviewed, you know, which is abnormal because 53 guys on a team, but there's so much media that every player, including the practice squad, are doing interviews throughout the week. So I think the two times I went, it was it was really well done. Like we had a, a certain amount of time per day with media. You went into a big room and, you know, whoever would want to talk to you would come talk to you. You have your own table. And, um, and I thought it was a lot of fun, actually, because you got to talk to you know, people from different parts of the world, different parts of the different countries. And you realize how big the NFL is, um, you know, from going through that. Do you find that the questions are a bit broader as well? Because you've got people who maybe are not normally asking the actual range of things you're likely to be asked. You need to be on your toes a little bit more because you don't know what's coming. It's actually refreshing. Yeah, it is refreshing (laughs) because you don't have to sit there and ask, answer the mundane questions that they always ask you. So talking to someone maybe from Scotland or Ireland or the UK or someone from South America, um, it's actually fun because you get to kind of, you know, tell them and you're telling a lot of people from a certain country how something may work or, or, or why you do this. And so I think it's fun. I think it's I think the media during Super, Super Bowl week was was a lot of fun. What about the day before then? You talked about the nerves kicking in from the Wednesday. Mm. So, you know, the yeah. day before the Saturday, final walkthroughs, preparations. What does that look yeah. like? And what does the evening look like as a team? Um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's nerve wracking. Uh, let's call it what it is. You, you know, there's going to be several hundred millions of people across the world watching the game. Um, it's the only show in town, basically in the world, everyone's going to watch it. Um, and you just, uh, you feel some nerves. You really do the night before coach talks to you, gives you a nice speech and and breaks it down, but then you go to bed. Um, it's hard to sleep. I'll say that. And I hate night games anyway. And most Super Bowls I played in were later in the day or night. Um, I hate waiting around all day to play on Sunday. So uh, getting to sleep is a challenge on Saturday night. And what do you do on the Sunday then? You know, you, you're all, if you've not slept, you'll be up sharp, a, a cup yeah. of coffee. How do you fill your day when you know that you, the game is later on? Well, you get, you know, you get up and you, and you probably have another meeting uh, of some sort, special teams or something like that, another team meeting. Um, and then you just kind of wait patiently for the buses to leave to go to the stadium. But you know, the one thing I did both Super Bowls is I never turned the TV on. Um, I stayed away from all the media. A lot of players did that just because you know how uh, important of a game it is. You just don't want to overdo it. And if you watch enough TV, you can really buy into what everyone's saying and talking about. So um, I, that's what I did. The two Super Bowls I played in, the television was off the whole week. So <laughs> we played right. a bunch of video games. We played a bunch of video games. Quite right. Quite right. Yeah. Um, what about the game itself then? You know, you walk out beforehand, warm-ups, obviously the, the crowd will start to build. All the extra pomp and ceremony and everything like that. How is that something that you embraced as a player? Did you soak it in and enjoy it? Or did that just elongate the, the period where you could actually get onto the field and do your thing? Yeah, so the whole the whole day of the game is just different than anything you're used to because there's so much corporate money there, corporate fans. You know, it's not a home or away crowd. It's it's very white collar, big sponsorships. Yeah, and listen, there's some diehard fans there. Don't get me wrong. New York travels well. There's a lot of people in New York with a lot of money that can come and go to those games. So 
we had some some good crowds. The whole day itself is just weird. That's the only way. That's the only word I know how to use. Is your pregame is a little bit different. There's so many people on the field. Um, you know, halftime is longer. It's 20 minutes long. It, the whole day is just. You know, I I don't remember much of the first Super Bowl if I'm being honest, um, because you're just trying to get through it and and play and not mess up and. The second one I remember a lot because I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I need to do a better job personally of taking in this moment, this game, this day, the whole week. So naturally, the second one, thank God I got a chance to play it too. I, I was able to, you know, digest it more and enjoy it more. What was that moment like for and both when you knew you'd won? And to that point, were you able to enjoy the second one? more once you won because you'd been there before i almost think i enjoyed the first one more winning it because it's your first one yeah um and you just never in a million years do you ever think you're gonna win a super bowl and then uh the second one um they both felt good um they both were against the patriots and tom brady so um yeah it's an amazing feeling it's hard to explain i can't put it into words you just feel like you're floating um it's uh you know a lot of work a lot of hard work that your team does and and yourself to get yourself in that position so to be rewarded by winning the super bowl is pretty special we talked on the podcast earlier about the the difference between the rams and the bengals this year is the fact that a number of these rams have uh, are going back to their second Super Bowl. And they've not got that win behind them. A lot of them have got the defeat. They can remember that. They're going back hungry. The Bengals are a little bit more experienced. Inexperienced, sorry. Um, Having done it twice, did you find it easier going in the second time around because you knew what was coming? Or did it add because you knew what was coming? It's absolutely... I, I think anyone would tell you if they've played in multiple Super Bowls, the second one is way, way better, way easier just because you know what's coming. Um, I do give a little bit of an advantage to the Rams. I think most of their roster has been to a Super Bowl. And I and I get this whole, you know, line that the Bengals are young and they're just kind of coming in and playing. And I said, that's all good. But the Super Bowl is different. And I don't care who you are, what SEC championship, national championships you've played in in your life, it doesn't compare to the Super Bowl. It's just a completely different animal. So um, I would certainly give the edge to the Rams there in terms of experience. And then how do you think it will play out then? Obviously, you've the Rams have the edge on the experience point of view. Do you think the Bengals, you know, the Giants came into both Super Bowls as underdogs. That's exactly yeah. what the Bengals are doing. So you, you, you can tell them better than anyone that the underdogs can win on any day. Um, how do you see this one panning out yourself, though? You know, there's a lot of evenly matched parts of this game, um, but I think when you when it gets down to it, at the end of the day, Aaron Donald is the best football player in the NFL, regardless of position. He's the best player in the game. Um, you add in Von Miller and Leonard Floyd on that defensive line. I just, for some reason, I just don't think the Bengals are going to be able to to protect uh, Burrow. And if he gets sacked nine times like he did against the Titans. I mean, the Rams are going to win by a landslide, but you know they're going to hang in there. I think the I think the Bengals will hang in there. I just think Aaron Donald is on a mission. Um, he's lost one. He's added Von Miller. He's got Leonard Floyd with him. Jalen Ramsey. You keep going down. I mean, I just I'm going to go with the Rams just because I think they're hungry. You know, they've been there before, and Aaron Donald 
with two weeks rest. And, you know, I just, I think he's going to cause a lot of headaches for that, for that offense. How important a player is Evan McPherson to the Bengals? You know, there's been so much hype about ice cold kicker and, having yeah. been an ice-cold kicker yourself and the significance. But given what we've just talked about there and the fact that the defense is going to be coming for Burrow, you know, perhaps the red zone conversion rates are not going to be as strong on the Cincinnati side as they might be on LA. How important is McPherson then in the context of that? Well, he's played a big role up to this point. I mean, every single game they've won has been by a field goal. So um, he's obviously kicking really well. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a field goal game. I really don't. I don't think that's going to play. If, I mean, I, there'll be some field goals made, but, um, he, you know, the Rams have a good kicker and a punter. Uh, the special teams will be important, but I still think this is all about the defensive line for the Rams. Um, I just see Aaron Donald having some crazy three or four sack game. I really do. I see him taking control of this game early and, you know, maybe it's, I hope it's close just for, from a fan's perspective, but, um, I don't. I don't think it's going to be that close, actually. Right. Okay. <laughs> Neither do I, to be honest. I think there's going to be a, yeah. a double-digit difference in this one. Right. Um, it may come late in the game, but I think by the end of sure. this, when the full-time score is settled, I, I think unfortunately it will be double digits, all for the even game. Um, what advice would you give, though, to any player going out there that's maybe feeling the nerves a little bit? What's the one thing that you would say to them? Um, you just have to embrace it. I mean, it's, it, it, you're going to be nervous to some extent, you know, for me, it's always like, uh, until I get my first kick out of the way, I'm fine. Um, but just embrace it. You're supposed to be nervous. That means it, it's important to you. So, um, just try and compartmentalize it. Don't let it affect how you play, um, and enjoy it because it goes by pretty quick. I mean, it's, you, you blink and the game's over, but, um, and you're either a world champion or you probably have the worst feeling in the world you know obviously i've never been on that side of it but i can't imagine what it feels like to lose a super bowl to get that far and lose yeah absolutely um now it would be a mess of us while we have you not to mention the fact that the new york giants have doubled down on the scottish legs in the kicking room (laughs) what i mean they're gonna have to get like they're it's like the scottish mafia I love it. I love it. Jamie Gillian. Is it Gillian? Gillian. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Jamie Gillian and Graham Gano. I mean, they love their Scottish specialists in New York. So here's the question. We've got two Scottish Super Bowl rings that both sit upon your fingers. By the end of the season, could that be four Scottish Super Bowl rings, do you think? No. The Giants, you know, the Giants are taking baby steps. They've uh, obviously retooled with the GM and the coaching staff. And we got to see if Daniel Jones is is any good. I mean, we don't really know if he is. Um, He's had moments, but he's also had a lot of, you know, bad moments. So um, I think I, I get it. Everyone is thinking the Bengals won four games last year, but Joe Burrow missed 10 games last year. And Joe Burrow is not coming to New York next year with this coaching staff. So um, I think they'll be improved. No question about it. I really do. I just, I don't know. I, they're not, I don't see them getting back to the Super Bowl for another couple of years at, at least. Yeah. So. But always good to see some Scottish legs, certainly. In the, it's unreal. In the New York Giants. I, I love that they keep signing all these Scottish guys. And, you know, Thomas McGahee, the special teams coach, he was my special teams coach in Scotland. And then obviously with the Giants. Yeah. 
So he he almost loves that hard headedness. Those Scottish guys like me and Graham and hopefully Jamie. Well, we'll if you can, if he can stick. If you can kick in the conditions over here, you can kick anywhere. Surely, surely. Yeah, and that Jamie good. that Jamie Gillen guy is a big man. I mean, he's huge. He looks like a linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, he'll he'll you know they'll give him an opportunity. I know he got cut from Cleveland, but I think it's really cool to have two Scottish specialists uh, wearing the NY helmet. And we've still got to find out whether Evan McPherson's got some Scottish blood in there as well. With McPherson as a surname, I'm convinced it's got to I mean, be there. It's got to be. Oh, there. he has to. Yeah, we have to get into his granny and granda and see who they are. Oh, they we're ha- ready to claim to him. Been. Ready to claim yeah. him if he's got even we'll one sixteenth of a bit of blood in there. Yeah. We'll take it. If he, if he if he wasn't any good, we wouldn't claim him. But we'll, yeah, absolutely. We'll claim him. Yeah. Well, listen, I know you've got a lot to do. It's a busy week for pre-Super Bowl. Thank you for your time, Lawrence. Always a pleasure to speak to you. Hope you enjoy Enjoy the Super Bowl when it comes, and we'll speak to you soon. All right. Take care. Brilliant to hear from Lawrence Towns there, Paul. Um, Great catch up with him, and obviously huge success. Uh, A two-time Scottish Super Bowl winner, the best person to give us some insight. Yeah, tremendous. Great to chat, and uh, we'll, we'll see if what he says comes true. So another big part of the Super Bowl and sitting watching it is, we talked about this, the pomp, the ceremony, everything that goes with it. The halftime show, gentlemen, how excited are you for this Very year's halftime show? I'm pumped, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> this this is on paper the best halftime show in years. Yeah. And Paul, obviously, it is not his style of music. It is superstars. This is where you come in and defend that it's, accusation. It, creme de la creme. It, it's not my style of music. And my objection, for example, to last year in the weekend, that, that was that was rubbish. I couldn't take anything out of the musical content or quality. This is not my music coming up, but I respect the people that are doing it because mm. they are the best in their business. It's not the halftime show I would want to watch or put together, but that doesn't mean it's the wrong halftime show. Which of the, the performers are you particularly looking forward to hearing from? <laughs> That's what I want to know. The boy who does the Just Eat adverts. Because <laughs> he's really funny in there. No, no, I mean, you look at Mary J. Blige is great, Eminem's great. They are the top of the class. It's just not the music I would personally listen to. I hope they put on a show. I thought last year's Super Bowl show was one of the worst I'd ever seen. Simple as that. It looks terrible. He's, you know, we keep seeing the beams of the guy trying to get out of the glass. You know, it's just dreadful. <laughs> I still quite enjoyed it last year. I thought it was fine. fine. Yeah, but you've got no taste. Move on. (laughs) I definitely don't think it was the worst. I think when Maroon 5 are in the conversation, there's a clear loser in that one. Um, This is is a halftime show, though, that I'm actively planning to watch, whereas the last one had it on in the background. Like This is one that I will pay attention to. Yeah, it's great. It's, do you know what? It's, this is a Super Bowl that's in Los Angeles and they have gone big time on it. Uh, that's everything that you want to see from it. Nice um, uh, nice hint to Detroit, of course. Matthew Stafford with dragging Eminem over. I think that's good as well. <laughs> Definitely. But this is, you know, this is a music that has um, been a massive part of, you know, Los Angeles culture. Um, and I think that it's a really nice nod to having a Super Bowl in this absolutely amazing stadium in Los Angeles. So it's it's got the, the, the pomp, it's got the glamour, it's got the headline act to it that makes it really interesting. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it as well. And um, the next question then is going to be, what coverage are you going to watch? 
Uh, do you watch BBC? Do you watch Sky? Or do you watch it on Game Pass and get the American coverage? Oh, dear me. Well, let's be honest. The BBC have dropped Mike Carson, and I can't see any reason for that. Um, you know, they've got normally good people, and Mike Carson adds to that. Mike Carson, for a lot of people, is what you want to hear at the Super Bowl. And for the sake of a match fear, well, I don't know. I mean, it's difficult. I'm a freelancer for the BBC. So, you know, everybody makes decisions at different times, and they'll have their reason. I just can't understand why Mike Carlson's not on that Super Bowl because that's, you know, I'm a big Mike Carlson fan. And that, that then opens it up for me because I love Jeff Reinbold as well. Hmm. Uh, and that might take me across to Sky. It, it's a tough one. And and being the sort of TV nerd that I am, I'll probably flip between all three because, I, that, you know, that's the way I tend to go. For me, the, the clincher, so I'll, I will have, for most of the game, I'll have it on my television on Sky or the BBC because Game Pass has a tendency to be 30 seconds behind, and I don't want to be 30 seconds behind seeing stuff on social media. But I'm definitely going to have Game Pass on my laptop because one of the biggest traditions is Super Bowl adverts. Yeah. Some of them are absolute nonsense, and it's brilliant. So I don't I don't want to miss those uh, by having Sky and the BBC on. They're not, uh, you know, supporting British broadcasting of the Super Bowl is not enough for me to not see whatever the guy code is doing this year. Let's just hope the adverts and the halftime show don't overshadow the actual game, which happens more often than not sometimes it does, yeah. in this game. And I should also say it's great that the BBC show it because it gives that wider you need, wider audience yeah, and you, I think that, that is tremendous. I mean, I think we're well supported. I think, you know, the BBC highlights show this year has been good. I think Sky's coverage is always solid. So we, we are very fortunate. Um, for that but I mean the Super Bowl adverts I mean there's been trailers for adverts you know we saw that in the championship games they've actually been trailing the Super Bowl adverts I mean that almost blows my mind that they've been doing that but you know there's a lot of money gets spent at this time of year I don't know what the NFL Scotland one's going to be for the Super Bowl I look forward Cameron's kept it a complete secret from me so Jameis Winston features that's all I know excellent good choice good choice Uh, can you imagine there is no budget. What other Super Bowl traditions do you have? Food. What, I mean, what what is it that, yeah, what is that experience for you guys? Food is obvious. So what foods specifically? I, I love making chicken wings. There's like a, a bar in Baltimore I've been to that just do the best chicken wings I've had in my life. And someone was able to get a recipe that's very close. And it's basically just as much garlic as you can fit, as much butter as you can fit, a whole tub of Frank's hot sauce. Oh. A little little, little squish of ketchup just to give it a little bit extra sweetness. Deep fry the wings and roll them in that. Like, it's probably taken about three years off my life. I can but hear it's you salivate. You actually salivate. <laughs> I, it's, I, can't, I can't wait to make these on Sunday. We should, we should note that we're recording this before lunch. So <laughs> Gordon's now getting his motivation up for a really large sit-down meal. <laughs> One year I took hot dogs, you know, to, for the Super Bowl party that I, that I go to. But I got ones that were extra, extra spicy without realising how spicy they were. So now we try and find the spiciest hot dog that we can just because try to blow people's minds. Um, that That's always good fun, you know. And honestly, the ones I got that year, I mean, you couldn't eat, you could barely eat one, let alone try two. <laughs> I mean, they were just unbelievably, so the, the chilli was there. But I think there's there's two things, isn't it? There's, there's your traditional dishes and there's the sheer quantity. And I think you've got to keep eating all the way through because if you don't, you know, if you can't last while you're still stuffing your face in the fourth quarter, it's not good enough. <laughs> I train for this stuff. 
there is nothing quite beats that getting to bed at half four in the morning, buzzing because you've had six glazed donuts and not being able to sleep <laughs> till at least Wednesday. Yeah, it's definitely a special feeling, that one. So I can confess to my, my stupidity this year with the season extending by a week. Um, I didn't realise, of course, the Super Bowl was in the second week of February. I have booked a romantic trip to London with my wife on starts on Monday morning. <laughs> So my, my flight time is five to eight from London. So I, nice. I'm looking at potentially getting home four, half four, and I'll need to be up at six in the morning. So uh, energy drinks are going to be the order Good of the luck, day. Mrs Mitchell. Oh, dear. He's going to be cooking with gas, especially <laughs> if the Rams win. <laughs> Someone's going to be a cranky pants on the airplane. That's uh, Well, yeah. nothing changes there. <laughs> um, okay, so we obviously heard Lawrence make his prediction. It's time for us to make predictions now. Who do you see winning the Super Bowl? What I want is winner and scoreline. I am a great believer in momentum and positive thinking. And I think the pressure might just tell on the Rams. And I believe the Bengals are going to win with a last second field goal. Maybe even in overtime. And I'm going to pick it as a 33-30 with a McPherson, McFearless, McPherson, whatever you want to call it, game-winning field goal. I think I think the winning team scores 30 points and I think the Bengals edge it by a field goal. 33-30. I think the Bengals are going to win as well. I'm not sure it winds up being a one-score game. I think the pressure can be a factor. I think I just trust Joe Burrow more. I'm going to go 31-21 Bengals. I'm going for the Rams. So it's it's a head pick rather than a heart pick, because I think everything's trending in their in their factor. They've they've gone all in. They've gambled. They're at home, etc., etc. McVeigh's been there before. She'd learn from the mistakes. Uh, I think they also have to hit thirty points. So thirty twenty four. Thirty twenty four. Okay. Scribbling these down. But I am just like, wait 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 until you see the pickem picks that come out <laughs> Sunday late afternoon, and Cameron has. Cameron's, well, Cameron's already away and I've already won it. Yeah. I've already know, won it. It's I know, fine. But it's the principle of it. <laughs> He'll be picking the 49ers for the first time this <laughs> season. Correct. So I, I'm going Rams. I and again, it's a it's a head pick over a heart pick. I would I would love to see the Bengals win this for so many reasons. I think it's a much nicer, much more fairy tale outcome. I think that the America's game version of this is so much better if Cincinnati win. But I think that the Rams do it because I just think they edge it overall. And uh, and again, I talk about some of the parts a lot. I haven't been 28-17 because I think it, towards the end, the Rams will just put an extra touchdown on when they need it. Um, you know, be 21-17. The Bengals will have a chance to convert. They won't. The Rams will then kill the game with a touchdown. Um, I think it will be highly entertaining. And I think that all parts will play well. It will just come down to red zone conversion percentages that will be the difference in this game and I think that's where I have more faith in the Rams than I do in the Bengals and I think that's where that can really count. Okay we've made our predictions it's time for you to make yours we're having a competition and we do this every single year but this year thanks to the great people at the Loch Lomond single malt whiskey we've got more prizes than ever to give away. We are going to be giving five people the opportunity to win a bottle of Loch Lomond whiskey and two glasses. 
simply by taking part in our Super Bowl competition. We've also got a special competition for people that listen to this podcast. So if you're listening right now, we're going to ask Paul a question. We're going to put this on social media and on our website. And before the Super Bowl, you need to visit one of the two, go online, tell us what Paul says, and then you will go into the draw as well. So Paul, we talked about the halftime show. Super Bowl 57, you've got an unlimited budget. Who are you signing up as your headline act for the halftime show? This is your dream halftime show. It is. Can I just say, I'm glad we're getting rid of that Jameis Winston jersey as the giveaway. <laughs> I just wonder what you'd be doing with that. So that's fantastic. Um, I, I've got many loves of music. I, I love all sorts of music. I'm a big country music fan, as people know. Uh, but I'm also, you know, I just love all types of music. So if, if I could pair a couple of people together, get them to perform individually and then come together. So the answer you'd be looking for, Brad Paisley's, I think he's, in terms of country star entertainment, Brad Paisley's amazing. And I get Billy Joel in there as well, because he is just tremendous. Get the piano man in there. Brad Paisley, Billy Joel, what a show they'd make together. Where we're looking at each other here on the other side of the desk. <laughs> I, I will be able to educate you in the wonders of Brad Paisley. Great showman, tremendous but, guitarist. But as far from Eminem and Snoop Dogg as you can it's, get. It just sounds... that That's that's the halftime show that I'd put on at halftime of the AFC Championship game and put my commentary crew or studio crew <laughs> right in front of the speakers. Not, not a Super Bowl halftime show. It, it is. I mean, Billy Joe's one of the best entertainers in the world. I think so. he's, do, he's done a Super Bowl before, yeah, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah I mean, he's Thanks, that, there's Thanksgiving halftime shows, I would say. Yeah. Um, that's that's the guys, Facebook does. Guys, <laughs> it's my halftime show, not yours. You weren't asked the question. That was my choice. That that's that's the two of the biggest stars of the music that I really enjoy. That's who I'd bring together. So So stay tuned to Twitter. Check out the NFL Scotland website. We'll be sharing information on all these competitions as the week goes on. Take part, loads of prizes to give away, an extra reason uh, to root for someone this Super Bowl. Um, other than that, gentlemen, anything else that you want to add before we wrap up this Super Bowl preview show that's been in association with the Scotsman? From a Saints fan's perspective, what a week we've had. Alvin Kamara arrested and Dennis Allen uh, in as our new head coach who's going to be without Alvin Kamara, I suspect, for the first few games of the season. Lovey Smith is back in at Houston. We congratulate him. And as the, well. the Packers have hired a special teams coach who's actually <laughs> quite good. Yeah. Rick Bisaccia. So, But then apparently the, the NFL are going to change the rules on special teams, so it doesn't matter as much. Classic Packers move. Kickoffs and punts going bye bye. I tell you what, if you watch the Pro Bowl, the, the idea of 4th and 15 going for it, and if you don't get it, the other team get the ball there, that, that looked awful. Uh, <laughs> I understand player safety, but there needs to be a better solution than that 4th and 15 play. If if it also results in the other team getting the ball there and then, it just it did not work at all. Yeah, so, I'm sorry we talked about so much. We talked this podcast about the Pro Bowl. I don't, I don't even know who won it. I don't no. even know the scoreline. Just so un, so uninterested. All I know from the Pro Bowl is that Kyler Murray threw a pick six pretty early in the game and has unfollowed the Cardinals on all his social media channels. So the postseason is creeping up upon us. The tropes are here already. We look forward to that. Listen, we'll be back over the next week. Again, if you're a regular listener, thanks for tuning in as ever. If you're new and this is the first one you've listened to, we'll continue some of the postseason analysis, kicking off with a Super Bowl review. 
will keep you up to date with all the stories going on. We'll give a Scottish point of view on all of it. We have our end of season awards podcast coming up. Then we start to look at free agency. There's a whole load of conversations to take place about the quarterback situation. Tom Brady is retired. Ben Roethlisberger is retired. There could be trades aplenty. There could be movement aplenty. There's lots coming up. Loads of content for us to continue. But this is the full-time whistle for episode 183. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Follow us on social media, Twitter, at ScotlandNFL, and you can search for NFL Scotland on Facebook. Look out for all our competitions that are coming across all our social media platforms. It's going to be tremendous. Enjoy your Super Bowl, however you watch it, and with whomever you watch it. Have a great time. For Charles, for Gordon, for Cameron and myself, thanks for listening. Bye for now.